Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is James Adams along with Skeeter Robinson. We are doing the My Fantasy Fix DFS podcast for golf. And, well, we've got a huge week coming up because this is Masters week. Uh, Skeeter, I know we want to get into the Masters, and we will go over that a ton. Every week we like to kind of look back and see what happened last week. Uh, the Valero Texas Open. I won't use that Game of Thrones name I made up because you don't watch the show. I have, the, uh, no, I have no idea what I, I. I mean, I know the show, but I've never watched it, so I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Uh, but yeah, so so the Valero Texas Open. Um, what happened this weekend, Skeeter? Any anything exciting happened this weekend? I mean, you had a Monday qualifier win the uh, tournaments. Is that what you're referring to? That is not at all what I'm referring to. Oh. Although. That was an awesome story, and if uh, my boy Charlie Hoffman wasn't in second place, I would have been cheering hard for him. I uh, was still happy to see what happened, but no, I believe you had a pretty good week this week, my man. Oh, well, okay, kind of. I mean, so the, the full week teams, um, I had two five of sixes, one four of six. Uh, Chris Kirk, you know, just this is the story of my season, not Chris Kirk necessarily, but I always seem to end up, you know, five of six with one guy who misses the cut by one or two. It's just kind of, or at least recent trend has been that way so i still was able to catch one of the five and sixes I actually did okay on that one but um but no the big one was for me was the weekend um and i, I was able to take down four gpps again dollar two dollar ones and then i took down a twelve dollar single entry and then in the big five dollar one i finished third for a grand so i won about eighteen hundred dollars on that uh on the weekend slate. so yeah um uh, Believe it or not, first time I ever won a uh, GPP in golf. Um, have had some close finishes, but you know you have to have a lot of things go your way. And um, what was funny is w- watching the 18th hole yesterday was the most anticlimactic loss of fifteen hundred dollars I was ever going to have because I was in second place in the, in the five dollar event, which paid twenty five hundred. The guy in third was like point two five behind me, and it didn't mm. matter if he would have triple bogey or if Connors would have triple bogeyed or anything like that. Uh, the the uh the two rounds under 70 bonus he was going to get guaranteed so i knew i was going to drop i just didn't know how much in the other contest unfortunately not a whole lot so uh it was a great weekend i think i played 37 dollars in weekend and turned back turned into over 1800 um great roi doesn't happen very often i'm really happy when it does heck yeah you better be happy man and uh sir that's i mean when you you sent me that screenshot i think uh I think I was still at the soccer game when you sent me that, and I was like, oh, man, he's doing some serious action. So it was uh, – I was glad to see it. Um, I broke even this week. I'm usually pretty happy about that, but I'm a little jealous today. But that's all right. I'm, I'd rather be jealous of you than just about anybody else, bud. So congratulations. Thank now you. let's flip it on to the Masters. Well, this can I, is well, – Can the, I say one more thing before we move on? Actually, two things. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, we normally talk about the actual golf tournament instead of our oh, no, entries, no, 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 but no, 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 no. that was a huge entry. So, yeah, what you got? No, the first thing is, actually, you know, a lot of the, I mean, when I was looking Friday night at the stats, yes, Charlie Hoffman did pop a little bit, but I'm not sure he would have been one that I was going to fully choose without the backing and personal favoritism of one James Adams. So, it's like, yeah. well, you know, he was he's an okay play. He, he seems to fit some things. I don't know if he's, you know, my best play, but you know what? I got to have a little bit. He's contending. I got to try to enjoy this with James a little bit. And my gosh, did that work out? And then... Great, I forgot where I was going with number two. You know what? It was a Charlie Hoffman statement. I believe that qualifies as one, two, three, A, B, <laughs> uh, come up with pound sign, exclamation mark, 
Um, you come up with whatever you want, because that's that's any Charlie Hoffman conversation can be as many bullet points as you want. You mean hashtag Charlie Season spelled S Z N? Heck yeah, heck yeah. And Charlie Season had really started a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I think what was it Saturday where he went nuts? He really had a great weekend. Um, not all about Charlie, but best believe we're gonna be talking about Charlie in a little while because uh, a he's in the six K range, and B well he's got a great course history and he's on fire right now, so. Um, well, that's probably uh, lets you know exactly what I think about Charlie this week. But we we, are, we already knew that. Right, right. I can't remember the second thing, so if I remember it, I might just blur it at some random point in the podcast. So let's Beautiful. move on. No, okay, well, let's get to it. It's Masters Week. Um, this is probably the most iconic golf course. It's the most um, known probably because unlike all the, the other three majors, um, and it's played at the same course every year. Now, TPC, the quote-unquote fifth major at Sawgrass, is played at the same place every year. But, you know, while it's a huge event, I don't, it doesn't garner as much attention as does the Masters. Uh, it certainly didn't when it was later in the summer after golf had started. This is like the kickoff to spring, the kickoff to, to golf season for, you know, more casual fans. And uh, hopefully we can take advantage of that with some more casual DFS golf players. But, um what do you make of this tournament as far as, you know, what are we looking for? What are we, um, you know, what are our expectations of, you know, the course? I know we want to talk a little weather. Just the general overview of the Masters tournament. Yeah, so it, it plays 7,400 yards. It is par 72. There are four par fives, two on each nine. Um, Amen corner, you, you're, most people are familiar with that, 11, 12, and 13. Par four, par three, par five. Um, no water on the front. So I believe there's like five or six holes with water on the back. A uh, very undulated uh, greens and very undulated fairways. So you're going to see a lot of um, uneven lies. If you're tr- if you really want to start deep digging for this tournament, other course, other tournaments that kind of have those rolling uneven lies in the fairways would include Kapalua, the tournament of champions. That's a I think an old volcano or at least one of the Hawaiian islands. That's a very undulating course. The other one, believe it or not, and this is an odd tournament, but it's one right by me is the John Deere Classic. It's the rolling hills of the Rock River in uh, in the Quad Cities in Illinois. Um, that's another one that tends to see a lot of uneven lies. And when you look at somebody like Jordan Spieth has won all three of those events and has played well at the Masters, there's a slight correlation. I've heard some people correlate Riviera uh, kind of a left-hander's course, and you see like Bubba's one there, Phil's one at both. Um, you know, that's that's just something to kind of keep an eye on. Um, other than that, there's, I mean, most people know the course. You've seen it enough. I think a couple of things to think about. One is the cut line. For the Masters, it is top 50 in ties. There are 87 players in the field, so more than half will get in. So top 50 in ties get in. There's also, the, this is the only major that still has this rule. Anybody within 10 shots of the lead will make the cut. So if this cut is, say, 3 under par, or no, I'm sorry, the leader's 3 under par, the cut is plus 5, plus 6 and plus 7 are still in. So we could see 60, 65 golfers get in. just depends on what the leader is like. Also, when you start factoring in that you have a lot of past champions, you know, the Sandy Lyles, the Ian Woosnums, the guys who... You know, might have won 30, 40 years ago, or maybe not 40, but, you know, 25, 30 years ago, who don't consistently play. This is their only time that they play. 
what are the chances they're going to make the cuts? And you have some amateurs who, well, I think one like the USAM or the second in the USAM, you know, what type of chance do they have? I don't know. So you almost have to treat this like a no-cut event. Uh, you do have to get 6-6, six six, though. If you don't have 6-6, six six, you're done. There's just no, there's no way around it. You're going to have to have the winner. And um, one thing I mentioned in the article on my fantasy fix is, uh, you know, we're happy to be lucky here in central Illinois that we have a uh, Dave Kindred who uh, wrote for the Washington Post for numerous years, covered Augusta for, for them for many years. I believe he's uh, now covering it for Golf Digest. He's been on, so he, I've heard, I heard an interview a couple years ago because it was with uh, John Rahm, his first trip to Augusta, and he was getting a lot of buzz and, and the host here asked Dave if he thought Ron would have a chance, and Kindred immediately said, zero chance. You'd have to go back to 1979, the last time a first-timer won at Augusta, and that was Fuzzy Zeller. So experience really does play a role here. There's a couple guys in a low 7K and 6K range that are getting some attention that are their first time. I worry about that, so I might be trying to, as best as I can, avoid all the first-timers. And I believe that's everything that I've hit upon. Um... Unless you want me to hit upon weather real quick. Um, well, let me ask you real quick. If we do have that scenario you were playing out where, like, leader is minus three, so we get, uh, you know, 60, 70 golfers make the cut, any secondary cut, the, uh, you know, made cut, didn't finish type thing going on between Saturday and Sunday? Right. There is no, right. That's a good question. There is no secondary cut. Um, I, I don't think any major really has a secondary cut. I think it's just a PGA Tour thing. So yes, if you make if if there's a golfer makes a cut this week, they are in. So it doesn't Excellent. matter if they, you know there's not you know they're not recutting the top 15 ties after Saturday. I don't plan on using any guys that that would happen to, but I just wanted to make sure. Well, um, I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a fair question, especially in weekend golf. If you're playing a weekend contest, I mean, some people probably got burned by that uh, last week or any time there was an MDF. So, but no, there is no uh, secondary cut. Okay, good deal. Uh, now, yeah, let's go ahead before we break down players. Let is, let's get into the weather that uh, you had just looked at. Of course, this is Monday night, so things certainly subject to change. Yeah, um, there's been some concerns for a week or so about weather coming into Augusta, and I, I think it's warranted. Um, as far as, you know, what is happening here tonight, Monday into Tuesday, looks like Tuesday could be a complete washout. Um, I'm looking at Windfinder right now and they're calling for over an inch maybe potentially inch and a quarter approaching inch and a half of rain tuesday um so that's that's a concern temperatures will be warm so that's 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 you know okay but i still think this course is going to play a little soft um they do have the sub air systems below the greens to dry out the greens but i worry about the fairways so that might play a role once you get into stats as far as once the tournament starts, um, there's going to be wind three of the four days. Thursday looks like the calmest winds right now are early, but it's basically five, uh, six miles per hour at 8 a.m., 13 miles per hour at 5 p.m. Gusts are consistently 15 to 20 during that range. Friday, right now, the it's kind of looking like 10 to 15 mile per hour winds, but the biggest gusts are in the morning, like 25, potentially 30 mile per hour gusts. 20 throughout most of the 20 25 throughout most of the day so i think you're gonna see some chaos there saturday looks really nice really calm no no um wind concerns but sunday again this is Mon as of monday night so everything can change but as of right now on sunday the leaders would be teeing off 
in 20 mile per hour winds with gusts around 40 for most of the round. So, you know, we've seen, you know, last year, I believe, I forget what the winning score was, but we saw a lot of birdies. With the wind kicking up here, I think we're going to see a lot of bogeys. We're going to see a lot of carnage. It wouldn't shock me if these winds are as true as these forecasts are, if we see a, a winner over par. Um, it's happened a before. winner? Yes. I, I believe we've had, I believe when Zach Johnson won, I think he won at plus one. Okay. So, That's been a while ago, I was say. It feels like, you know, it's usually a handful of uh, strokes under par. But, no, I'm sorry, go on. That's just, that's no. surprising. No, it is, because we're so used to, I think, with the past few years, we've had really good weather, but when the winds kick up here, this, I mean, think about how fast those greens are and all the undulation. Now you're trying to try to play the wind into it. It's a tough ask. So, you know, as far as that goes, when I look at my stats, I've already changed my stats a couple of times. I think these soft conditions, I want to include driving distance. And now with wind being involved, potentially, I think bogey avoidance and scrambling are going to play a role. My biggest stat will be tee to green. I mean, there's hardly any rough at Augusta. Like, even if you're in a pine straw, you get a pretty good lie. Um, so that's something to look at. I always look at DraftKings points, too, just as something in a strokes gain approach. That's because it's a second shot course. But So there's a lot of, di- lot of things to digest. Um, if you've already made your lineups, I wouldn't be set on them tonight. I'd wait for potential ownership Wednesday night and see if there's a weather forecast wave that uh, hits. Uh, you asked me before the show, is there a certain wave that I would prefer right now? If the forecast stayed the exact same, I might lean Thursday morning, Friday afternoon uh, waves, but I don't know how significant it would be at this point. All right, you ready to get into the players? Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to stop at the top, start at the top. Uh it's the 10K territory, 10K and above, because we've got a couple guys at 11K. Um, the first guy on the list at DraftKings is Rory McIlroy. He's 11,600. He is playing obviously very well, won the players. This is the only major that Rory hasn't won. I have thought in the past, you know, if I was a guy like Rory McIlroy, would I just start really practicing and crafting my game to get that fourth major so I don't end up as Phil Mickelson and in my upper 40s, trying to still get that last major. Um, I wonder if Roy's done that. I kind of doubt him. I mean, he's certainly in nowhere in desperation mode. Um, we've seen him have a really good start to a Masters before he was a major champion and fall apart on Sunday. Uh, a ton of good stories around Rory McIlroy. I also think he's warranted to be the highest-priced player in this pool. Um, I still think he's worth playing at 11-6. What do you think about Rory? Yeah, statistically, yes. He's first tee to green, second bogey avoidance, second driving distance. So he fits some of those key ones. You look at his tournament history. He's got a really good one. Um, fifth, seventh, tenth, fourth, and eighth the past five years. So all top tens. Hasn't won. There is some concern, and I don't see it in the stats yet. I might have to dig deeper into this, but I have heard a couple people mention that Rory in the wind, surprisingly, is bad. Like, he has not had a recent sure. good uh, history playing in the wind. So... That would be a concern. I expect him to be the, I would think he's going to be the most popular guy in the 10K plus range. There might be another guy who kind of competes with him, I think. So, I don't mind a strategic fade here if you want to. If you want to play him, though, I think there's enough value in the 7K range and even the 6K range that you can easily fit Rory and build your lineups from there. The next guy's Dustin Johnson. He has won recently. 
11,300. So he has won a tournament on the PGA Tour, not the Masters. Uh, let me clarify that. Uh, at 11-3, I think he certainly warrants that price. Dustin Johnson hasn't won this one, but is certainly a guy who's been knocking on the door before. He's had some good course history. Um, I would imagine Dustin Johnson also worth the money. He's got three top tens in his last three times out up here. Not only worth the money, probably going to be a very popular play given he's a very popular player. I'm curious to see what ownership kind of looks like on him because I think a lot will will go to Rory. I think a lot are going to look at Rose and Tiger below. Maybe DJ, You we might get DJ 10 to 15% owned. And I love that idea. He's going to fit every stat. First bogey avoidance, third tee to green, third in driving distance. He can play in the wind. He can play in calm conditions. I'm not sure he he's really bothered by whatever it's like. Um, yeah, when I look at wind, uh, his average strokes gained by wind, it's nearly two strokes in a wind. So he, per- he plays perfectly fine in that. Has a decent course history, as you said. And if we're looking at Riviera as a potential course, he dominates Riviera. He's won a tournament of champions at Kapalua before. You know, if, if Rory's getting close to 25% ownership and DJ's sitting there at 10 to 15, I'm, I will probably go more DJ than Rory. I'm not sure I'm going to full fade either one, but I could see, but I can, I could see myself fading Rory if I, especially if I dig into the win narrative, but with DJ, I think he's a great play all around. I think my favorite play in 10K is Justin Rose. 10,800. Uh, some of that is the value, the extra little bit that I'm going to get to spend on other players versus Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy. Some of that is, you know, he's a very polished player, right? Olympic champion. He's a major champion. And he's a guy who I feel like under pressure coming down on Sunday if he's in contention. I have no question that he will stand up to the test. I love Justin Rose this week. Should I be this excited about him? Well. I mean, he's my one and done pick, so let's just get we'll just get, <laughs> we'll just get that one out of the way right now. Um, no, I mean when you look at the course history, his worst finish is twenty fifth, the past eight years, and in there there's four top tens. He was twelfth last year. I mean, he just plays really well on this course. Another one I don't think is going to be affected by the wind. Uh, first in DraftKings points. I lost my spot here. Third in bogey avoidance. Fifteenth tee to green. He, uh, good driver of the ball, 17th in driving distance, so I'm not worried about that. He just fits every category. He's probably the safest play up here just because of the immaculate course history, and it just feels like he's due for another major, and it feels like this is the one that he's due for. At 10-8, I really like the $800 discount for Rory. I still think, you know, Rose might be the better player overall over the past year. Rory definitely the better player the past uh, couple months. Mm. $500 discount from DJ, I think, is tremendous value. And you might see a lot of people start with Rose. That way they don't have to dip into the 6K range. So I love Rose, too. Good to know. The next guy on the list is the only guy that I have eliminated from contention of my lineups in the 10K-plus range. Uh, it's Tiger Woods. Now, why am I eliminating Tiger Woods? Well, it's, it's not his course history. That's pretty good. Um, it's popularity. And at 10-5... I just look at the next, I don't know, four names, three names anyway, that are cheaper than him, and I'm like, okay, I'll take the discount and take these guys. I also look at Justin Rose, and I'm thinking I certainly have an extra 300 to throw on Rose that I at 10-5 for Tiger, that's just too much for me. But um, 
you know, I mean, obviously he owns this place, or he certainly did years ago. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, he's go- He probably should be 10-15% owned, and he's going to probably approach 20. He probably should be priced a little lower than 10-5. Like, I don't know, I would think Thomas is better than him. Um, mm-hmm. I think I mean, Rahm and Fowler, the next two names, I th- are both I, I, guys I'd rather play. I think that would be the right range for Tiger. I mean, he's go- he'll pop in some stat miles. 8th tee to green, ninth in approach, 10th in DraftKings points. Again, all these over 24 rounds over at Fantasy National. I give them the shout-out because they help with the weekend's golf stats. Um, like, it's just he's going to be way more popular than I want him to be. And when I'm playing the Millie Maker, I need to be different somewhere. So, I think the casual player is going to start their lineup with Tiger. I think I know who their second player is going to be, too, as far as that lineup build. I just do, I, I just want to avoid that, so I'm going to pass on Tiger at 10-5. I look at the next guy on this list, and I'm not sure because I'm looking for a grizzled vet to win this tournament. I'm just not sure Justin Thomas is that guy. He's the next guy on the list, 10,200. I like him. I do have him in one of my six lineups that I've put together already. Uh, want to put a caveat out there. I set some of those lineups around – 1.30 in the morning Friday night a week ago uh, <laughs> after being out at the bar. So I want to – I want, but I've decided I'm leaving them sit. They're $4 entries. I'm so, leaving them sit. Sounds like a guaranteed I, winner to me. It, it really does. Like, that's why I'm letting it sit because it's the dumb lineup that's going to win for me. But uh, for me, Justin Thomas, I mean, I don't know. I think he can do very well. I expect him to be close to contention on Sunday. He obviously has been pretty good here. 17th last year, 22nd the year before – I like him. I just don't know that I love him here. I'd rather spend up for Justin Rose. I would too, and he's lost strokes and approach the past two tournaments. Um, didn't do well. I don't think he did very well in the match play event either, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, it's just a time for me. I think I'm going to I'm going to pass on him. Um, I like Rose better. I like DJ better. I like Rory better. Ten two is a really good price on Justin Thomas, but. He just doesn't have the same course history here as Rose, as maybe some guys lower. I I just he might maybe he maybe he surprises and this is the week he pops, but I'm just going to pass on him. Wouldn't be shocked if he won, but I'm not expecting it. And I'm gonna say the same thing about John Rom. I like Rom, I like him a lot. At 10K, it's a great price. And to that point, I think we're going to start finding a lot of these are great prices because this is the most stacked field we've seen so far this year. Uh, but Rom, I mean, look, 27th two years ago, fourth last year. You tell me he's going to win it, I'll believe it. But like Thomas, I'm just not buying it yet. Um, I don't know. Uh, I certainly think he makes the cut, and I certainly think he's like top 20. But I'm not sure if I'm paying 10K for Rom either. I don't think I am. I, I tend not to be the biggest ROM guy, so that could just be on me. Um, when you look at his approach stats, he, I mean, he's been doing fine approach the past couple tournaments. Really good tee to green the past couple tournaments. Stat-wise, fifth in driving distance, fourth in DraftKings points. Really no sort of flaw. The only thing I, I slightly worry about would be his temperament, especially if this comes windy. He is a good wind player, but this could be just a frustrating round. I... I just think I'm going to pass on Rom. It's one of those things where, like, if I like Rory and I like DJ and I like Rose, I'm probably only playing seven lineups. I can't. I got to make a stand somewhere here at the top, and I like the top three better than I do the bottom three. So I'm going to be with you and probably just avoid Rom. Let's take it to the 9K range, and 
to to be honest, it's like surprising with this big of a field. There's only six guys in the 9K range. I found that very surprising. Um, I look at the six of them. I think there's three I like, three I'm not so sure I like. Uh, the first guy at 9,700 is Ricky Fowler. I am unapologetically a big Ricky Fowler fan. Um, I, I generally like underdogs. That's why I'm a big Charlie Hoffman fan. I love Ricky Fowler for a lot of reasons. I know some people don't. Some people do. I would be ecstatic if Ricky won this. I also think he's a very good play. Not just because it would be his first major would I be ecstatic, but I'm just a Ricky fan. I have a Puma flat build hat. Let's just go ahead and get that out there. Uh, I will go flat bills if he wins. No question about it. Ricky Fowler's got to be a pretty good play right now, and he is bound to break through in a major soon. He is, and he's played well here in the past. Um, probably could have won last year if Patrick Reed uh, faltered at all. Like, Ricky did play well, and you look at a you know, second, fifth, 11th, and 12th, all surrounding a missed cuts there the past few years. Uh, past five years I, he's another one i i think will tend to get more popular like i can see a lot of tiger ricky lineups because ricky is so mm -hmm. so much of a fan favorite does play well in the wind his approach game has been okay but he's been losing some strokes off the tee and has been a little putter more putter reliant than i had hoped for so he's probably not for me just because of the potential high ownership rates but i understand the play 9700 Next guy, Brooks Kepka. I'm not on him. Brooks is just not showing it to me. I mean, we could go back to the match play tournament two weeks ago uh, where he looked like he was given a pass into the round of 16, couldn't take advantage of it. Look, he finished second at the Honda Classic a little more than a month ago. Other than that, his play has been, to me, not inspiring. It's been okay at the very best. But, dang, we look at, you know, first of all, you know, what has he won? Three, three times on tour and two of them are majors or – uh, maybe that's, I'm sorry, four times on tour and three or majors or something like that in his last few wins. Like, he wins majors. And it, I wonder if he just shows up for those because he gets a little more fired up. I mean, 11th and 21st are his last two finishes here. Didn't play last year. I could see why Kepka makes sense. I'm off of him. Where do you stand? I'm off of him, too. I just don't trust him right now. Um, he's just not in the form. And I know some people will probably play him just because he can turn it on. And when you see somebody who's won two of the last three majors at 9,500. I mean, it looks like a great bargain, but I just don't trust his form right now. The best thing he is going for him is fourth in driving distance, but it really doesn't settle in anywhere else. So 9,500, I think I'm going to pass, but he's also the type of play that if you're if you're exclusively playing Millie Makers, he's probably be the lowest owned in this 9K range. And if you want to take the high upside chance on him, I get it. I just He's just not my, not my uh, type of play right now. Next guy on the list, Bryson DeChambeau, 9,300. I said earlier I want a grizzled vet. He's played here twice. He's played here twice very good. But I am, I'm just not on Bryson right now either. 21st three years ago, didn't play two years ago, 38th last year. I don't know, for me, at 9,300, I want a guy who I feel like has a chance to win. Uh, in the last month, Bryson hasn't really threatened to win. Genesis opening was 15th, shot 71 on Friday, or I'm sorry, Sunday. So, you know, maybe he threatened there a little bit, but I don't know. I'm also not on DeChambeau. Where are you at? He's one I don't quite know what I want to do yet because if we're talking about somebody who knows all the angles of, and undulations mm. of the course, he certainly fits. He has one John Deere, so, I mean, there is something to that. 
Um, yeah, you're right. Recent form not great in stat wise. He's kind of middle of the pack in a lot of stats. In fact, some of them he's starting to decline. But you know, he did play well in Europe to start the season. I believe he won was it Abu Dhabi or uh, Dubai? I forget which one of two he won. Ninety three hundred. I mean, Omega Dubai Desert Classic. Is okay, one one. Thank you. I, I knew it was one of the two. I think DJ won the other one. Um, you are correct on that, too. Okay. So, I might let ownership uh, dictate me uh, on that one. If he's um, if he's coming around, if he's like 10% or under, I'm going to take a chance just on talent alone. If if people are try, are kind of on him 15%, then I'll probably pass. Um, he's one I want to dig into a little bit more because he seems awfully tempting to me. The guy after him is a player I am interested in. It's only his third time at the major, at the Masters, so it kind of breaks my I want a grizzled vet guy kind of team. But Tommy Fleetwood at 9,200, um, again, didn't have a great showing in his first tournament, didn't make the cut in 2017, but in 2018, he shot, he was 17th. Um, I don't know. I like Tommy Fleetwood. I look at him at 9,200, and I'm just like, man, that's a bargain. But again, with this field, there's going to be big names in the 7K range, so a big a big name in the low 9K range isn't overly shocking. Uh, where you at on Tommy? He okay. He fits the stats: seventh tee to green, fourth bogey avoidance, thirteenth scrambling, fourteenth driving distance, fifteenth DraftKings point. He fits all that. He fits the win narrative. He's a very good win player coming from England. Shouldn't be a surprise. Really, his approach has been fine. His putting has kind of been off and on, but you don't need to be a good putter to win at Augusta. I really think the the issue here is potential popularity again. I think I heard somewhere um, that out of all the tickets bet before yesterday for Masters Futures for this tournament on the DK and the DraftKings Sportsbooks, I believe the second most number of tickets was on Fleetwood. Wow. So, so he's not going – I think he's got the casual player attention – 9,200, I like him, but if he's going to get crazy owned, that's a concern for me. I will probably still have him at least in one or two lineups because I'm not missing out on a Tommy Fleetwood major. I just might limit my exposure just due to his popularity. I would not have guessed he would have been that popular, but, I mean, I guess my eyes popped at 9,200 too. So. I wouldn't have either. I would have thought, you know, Rory, DJ, Tiger, Spieth would have been the most popular bets, but uh, – didn't work. I guess it's. I guess people are on a Fleetwood, so. Well, as they should be. Yes. Uh, one should. of the top. Yeah, right. One of the top players in the world uh, right now. I mean, what is he? He's 13th in the world. So certainly a great player. Next guy is Jason Day, 9100. Jason Day was on fire like a month ago, and then he's ha he hasn't made the cut in two of his last three events. Now he finished eighth at the Players. He finished fourth at Pebble Beach. Wrapped around the didn't make the cut at the Arnold Palmer, and that's the one he withdrew from. And then uh, the Valspar, he also did not make a cut. Where are you at on Jason Day? I love the guy as a golfer. Like, uh, I, I've used him many a times. I just don't think I want to use him this week. He's going to be the other one in this range that I don't think people are going to play. So if you're looking for leverage in a millimaker, hmm. he actually makes sense. People are going to want to play him because of the withdrawal factors and all that. Yeah, he missed the cut at Valspar. He didn't. He didn't play match. No, he did play match play. He didn't get out of his group, or did he get out of his Correct. group? Correct. I don't think he. I did. do not believe. I do not believe he no. did. So he's never going to pop, uh, pop statistically. He's very reliant on the putter, which ne isn't necessarily a bad thing. Augusta it's just it's not a course where you really need it. He is fifteenth in driving distance and sixth in DraftKings points. 
for me, I probably will end up with one of between Bryson and Day just for from a leverage perspective. But you know, you just if you're playing Day, you got to take the risk. He's not cash game playable. You take the risk and go from there. And of course, you know he does have that back injury that can flare up at all the time. So I think that's why he'll be lower owned. What you want to do with him? That's up to you. You want to fade? That's fine. You want to play him in tournaments and hope that he wins at low ownership? All for it. I'm not sure what cash game eligible means. I don't. What's a cash game? 50 50. I mean, I'm kidding. I'm oh, kidding. I'm for. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry. Because I do. I only play GPPs. I'm yeah. just willing to be a little bit more uh, gambling gambler with my money. I'm. I'm being sarcastic. Sorry. Let's go. Now you're cool. Uh, let's go to the final guy here on the. Uh, the, the 9K range is Paul Casey. So Paul Casey doesn't make the cut at the players. And I guess he hangs out all weekend. He's one of the last people to leave working on his game. What's he do? Goes to Valspar. He wins it. He, uh, he And he had played decent leading up to that, too. He's got three top threes in his last five events. I'm not counting the match play uh, event because it's not on here in the stroke playlist. Um, but he was okay at match play, too. He won his and, group, and it, I believe. In a, in a tournament where I was fading him because I figured he would be worn out from the Valspar, I was wrong. Paul Casey at 9K, he's one of the three guys in the 9K range that I like. And as the cheapest at 9K, I think he's my favorite, too. Yeah, and I, I unfortunately think he's going to be everybody's favorite play. Um, when you look at course history here, you see 6th, 4th, 6th, and 15th. So he fits the course history narrative. Um, very good in the stats. Um, 10th tee to green, 17th in approach, 18th DraftKings points. Not the biggest driver of the golf ball as far as distance goes. Not Maybe not the best short game. But at 9,000, he does pop out, seem like he's a little bit of a value. So I'm fine with it. Um, for, I will have exposure to Casey, but again, I just worry about how popular he's going to be. Let's take it to the 8K range and... Here's Jordan Speed, 8,900. He looked like he had woken up from his slumber in the first two rounds last week, uh, then just kind of slumbered through the weekend, 73-72 for his Saturday-Sunday round. I mean, uh, Jordan Speed is like, I mean, he is like, I thought he was the next Tiger Woods when it, when it came to Augusta because he comes out his opening tournament there, he finishes second, and uh, really, I mean, he had a battle with Bubba Watson for a while there. Then won it the next year. He's had a second, an 11th, and a third since. I mean, can I forget recent form and just look at this amazing course history and say 8,900, Jordan Spieth, I want to play you? Yes, you can. I am not going there. <laughs> and I don't think I am either. Like, I think a lot of people will, though, because they're just going to look at the course history and say, oh, my gosh, look how he plays here. And. You know, he's bound to come back. And as you said, he played really well the first two rounds at Valero. He's kind of done this all year, though, a little bit, where he plays well the first two rounds and then completely tanks on the weekend. I think part of my success in weekend golf was that I didn't play Spieth, and he was like 30 35% owned, so I avoided all of that. Um, I just don't trust the form, and I love course history, but I just can't go there right now in Spieth. 8,900... There's too many alternatives viable enough that I don't need to go there, so I am going to pass. Is one of those alternatives a guy who's won the Masters twice, Bubba Watson at 8,800? I certainly look at his more recent 
uh, for him at, at Augusta. Last year was good, but he had a, a little stretch where he wasn't so good. Fourth at Valspar, uh, bad at match play, didn't play last week, wasn't playing so great before, but also wasn't playing terrible either, getting top 25s, top 30s. Bubba Watson, 8,800, interest? I do have interest. First driving distance, third scrambling, 11th tee to green. I never know what to make of Bubba. Like, he's, again, he's another one that's, if you're playing Is him, he? be ready to light be, be ready to light the entry on fire. But he does love Augusta, and Augusta does play well to left-handers. I don't know where he's mm-hmm. going to come in ownership. I don't think he's getting highly talked up about. So, if he's falling in that 10% range, I'm very interested. Even if he's 15, I'm not swayed off of him. I think 8800 is a very fair price. I actually tend to think he might go a little lower on it. We're going to get to why here in a couple of minutes because there's there's one golfer right around him that I think will be extremely popular. Well, I don't think it's Hideki Matsuyama, the next guy on the list at 8700. It is. Because you said a, Oh, it is. Okay. It is. I figured we were going like we were going a little further because uh you said a couple of minutes, but Hideki Matsuyama makes sense. I mean, you look at his course history here. He doesn't have the win or the wins like Bubba does. 19th, 11th, 7th, and 5th are his last four rounds here. That's uh, pretty good. And Hideki Matsuyama, while I, I, he hasn't been great, he also hasn't been bad. An 8th at the Players and a ninth in the Genesis of his last four tournaments. Uh, I mean, he's certainly a guy I'm considering. I think everybody's going to consider him because he's going to pop in every single stat model. It like I've done like three or four different variations of stats right now just because you know changing weather conditions, things like that. Every single time I do a variation, whether it's 24 rounds or 50 rounds, number one of my models Hideki Matsuyama. First in approach, second tee to green, fourth in scrambling, seventh in bogey avoidance, eighth in DraftKings points. His tee to green game right now is immaculate in past tournaments. So is his approach. In fact. This year, just in 2019, the season where they've where we've had shot tracker, he gained his worst uh, worst term at Tita Green was gaining only 2.1 strokes at the Sony. His next worst was 5.9 at Mexico. His problem is the putter. He's he's had some monster performances where he has just lost strokes putting. He fit he fits for every single thing except the ownership perspective. I would love to play Hideki. I just worry that he's going to be in the Rory type of ownership level, potentially Fleetwood, potentially Kucher when we get down to the 7K range. And I don't know if Hideki is the guy I want him to take my ownership uh, stand on and say, you know what, I'm playing him no regardless of the ownership. I think I might go elsewhere. But there's nothing in his form. There's nothing in his stats. There's nothing in his history that says that he isn't a good play. The next guy is Francesco Molinari. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's my favorite play in the 8K range. You're looking at 8,600 for a guy who won the Arnold Palmer Invitational a few weeks ago. He is a major champion. He has uh, he performed, honestly, uh, maybe better than Kisner at the match play tournament two weeks ago. Um, you know, him and Kisner each both lost the match. He just happened to lose to Kisner on Sunday morning. Uh, but he put up more points for what it's worth on DraftKings over uh, Kisner in that win, too. I mean, Francesco Molinari, um, I-, I just look at him, and I'm like, I have got to get him in my lineup. And if he's competing on Sunday, Skeeter, we go to the store, we get a 12-pack of Peroni, we get a big old slab of prosciutto, well, we get him to shave it down for us, we just sit back and enjoy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, James and I don't compare our players um, much so far. No, I just fire from the hip. Yeah. 
well, I do, I do study beforehand, but I, then I just, I just throw right. names out. Yeah, but, I but figure. We, but we don't talk about our favorite plays or anything like that. Right. Uh, we're three for three on our favorite plays. Nice. Yeah. So, so I'll do that. And you already that. know who my six K favorite play is. So, unfortunately, it might be mine too. Um. Wouldn't it be? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the other one I was considering, I heard an interview with him, so I'm kind of off of him. But, but no. The thing about Molinari is his course history is not great. So 19th is no. the best finish that you see. But I also think that he's playing the game of his life right now. Like, there's just no reason to really fade Molinari. And if he's going to come a little lower owned because of that tournament history, because of Matsuyama around him, I'm perfectly fine with that. He's not popping in stat models. He rarely does. He's not a big driver of the golf ball which could be a little bit of a concern especially if this course is playing wet but he can play in the wind he won the british open he won the api um struggle a little bit the players but that's fine but he steamrolled almost everybody except kisner in a match play and happened to lose legitimately steamrolled guys that's that's how he ended up with more points than kisner when they both ended up uh winning six out of seven matchups in that match play tournament because he was winning whole he was winning match matches five and four and Four, six, five and you know six and five right i mean he was he was just dominant so 8600 i always like molinari i think i will be sticking with him i uh i'm gonna go back to i like grizzled vets in this xander shoffley is not that 8500 he's got one round here or i'm sorry one tournament here he did make the cut last year in his first try and, and but he was just 50 I think Xander Shoffley can win a major. I definitely think he can. I don't think it's this one. I don't think it's, at least, I don't think it's this year. Any reason to play Xander? No, I mean, yeah, there is. I mean, his approach game has been pretty good. Um, The only reason he missed the cut, the players, was that he lost a lot of, he lost two and a half strokes putting, 1.3 around the green. Mexico, the only reason he didn't win there is he lost nearly five strokes around the green. He's got the talent in him, and... This mm-hmm. is kind of the range that Patrick Reed was at last year. I now I don't know where Alexander is going to come in, ownership wise, but stat wise, he's eighth in scrambling, eighth in bogey avoidance. His worst stats for me is nineteenth in driving distance. Eighty five hundred is a really good price. Again, I'm not sure I'd go the cash game route. He's the safest play, but I like his upside. We've seen Alexander win some pretty world class tournaments. I'm with you. There's a major coming. I'm not saying second trip to Augusta is his time, but I'm very intrigued by him. 8,400 is Adam Scott. I want to fade him. I think about fading him, but I wrote him down as a guy I'll consider. Um, You know, ninth two years ago at this tournament. It's been a while since his win and really good run. He has finished outside of the top 30 in three of the last four tournaments here. His form is pretty good. 12th at the players is great. Uh, 7th at the Genesis is great. I'll take a 12th from a guy at 8,400, hoping I hit bigger somewhere else. But he didn't make the cut at the Honda. You know, he's tied 61st at at and Pebble Beach, but then he was second the week before. I don't know what to do with Adam Scott. Help me out here. Yeah, he barely missed at the Honda. I remember I had him, too. And I think he had, like, a 70-foot eagle putt on 18 to uh, make the cut. And I think he nearly made it. Uh, I think he was really close. So, But um, his approach has been okay. Another good win player. His tee to green game is, is is pretty solid. He's okay in the stat models over 24 rounds. I think some of that still is accompanying his struggles last year. Uh, third in DraftKings points is his best stat. 
8,400. The fact that guys never missed a cut here, or at least at least since we, you know, going back to 2010, he has won in that time frame. A couple other three top tens, a couple other top twenties. I like him a lot, and I'm not sure he's going to get a ton of buzz. So for me, 8,400, I I do like some Adam Scott, former champ Phil Mickelson. This is one of those guys that needs one more major to win the 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 four, the Grand Slam, but it's not this one. And this like this is an old guy who I think, if I'm Phil Mickelson, I am doing everything in my control to try and win the Open, the U.S. Open, because that's the only one he hasn't won. I wonder if that, you know, I wonder if, if a guy like Phil is thinking U.S. Open this far ahead. I don't know. I do know this. Since the AT&T Pebble Beach where he won, 37, 39, didn't make the cut in the other two events. I'm off Phil this week. Um, and I imagine he's probably a popular play uh, because of the name, which makes me off him even more. I think the casual players will play him, but I'm with you. I'm off. I'm off, Phil. Um, does rank 10th in driving distance, which is still pretty good, but I, I'm with you. I don't have any desire to go to Phil here. I think there's better plays above him. I think there's better plays below him. He's just not in a form that I really want to see right now, so I'm going to pass. I would be very happy to see the next guy, Tony Finau, win this tournament. He's 8,200, but I'm not playing him. I'm not on him. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much the in injury lingers uh, from earlier in the season. I do know this. He finished 61 at Valero, and I just look at Tony Finau, and I think, I'm not playing you this week because I think you're going to be pretty popular. He finished 10th last year, but, I mean, that's his history here, too. Yeah, and even his recent tournaments, when I'm looking at approach, I mean, nothing really – Stands out there. He is good off the tee. He can hit the ball far, so that, I mean that will be plus in these wet conditions. But I'm with you. 8200. He'll gain some ownership as well. I'm just going to pass. Louis Oosthuizen. He uh, is 8100. Uh, he finished second at the Valspar. Did pretty decent at the uh, at the match play tournament. Louis Oosthuizen. I got news for you. I'm on him. I also find it comical that everywhere it's Lewis who stays in. Like, no one ever calls him Lewis. When now on the tee, it's Louis. It's never Lewis, but his name is written as Lewis everywhere. So, Lewis who stays in. Does he do anything for you this week? I, th I think you can pronounce L O U I S as Louis. I don't think it has to be Lewis. Uh, yeah, I guess, and I guess the S is pretty quiet, uh, silent in a lot of French words. So, you know what? You're right. Maybe I'm just an idiot. No, no. I, no, it's just, it's. I, I they can both be true. Okay, well, if you're I right. can still be an idiot. I can still I mean, be an idiot. I don't think you're an idiot, but if, you, if, if you're going to call yourself an idiot, uh, I mean, I guess I can't stop you. Um, I personally am not on Louis. Like, I'm, I, and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm still kind of snake bitten when I played him at the PGA last year and he withdrew. So I'm still a little, I'm not ready to go back to Louis. Second, the Valspar. Um, but he's losing strokes on approach. I mean, the only reason he was second at Valspar is. His around the green game and putting, he gained 10.6 strokes just in those two categories. And he chi oh, he chipped amazing uh, that yes. week. I think he hold one out and put a couple right on the pin too. And I know, I know you will want to be around the green a little bit, but I don't trust Louie, and I'm just not going back to him. So I'm going to pass. Fair enough. Uh, the last guy in AK is Patrick Reed. He's the defending champ, and there is absolutely zero chance I'm playing Patrick Reed this week. Um, I just can't get in on the recent form for me. You know, he just, you know, he's making cuts. And, you know, if he finished top 15 at 8K, that'd be a good return. But I just don't think he's finishing top 15. I don't think he's finishing top 30 here. 
Uh, I'm I'm so off Patrick Reed, and I also imagine the defending champ to the casual player is going to be a little bit more highly owned. Ah, uh, maybe. I mean, he he sometimes was, he's not exactly the most likable player, so people will avoid him for that reason. Um, his strokes gain approach recently and off the tee has not been very good. Um, yeah, I think for me he's a hard pass in this. Guy Fieri at the Champions Dinner cooks some special concoction that wakes Patrick Reed up. Um, Is that who he's having? I didn't. I don't know this. Yeah, he because uh, the, the winner always gets to pick the dinner, but he's bringing Guy Fieri into uh, to cook. That hairdo up. is not going to go well at Augusta. <laughs> if he's still sporting that wild hairdo, I don't think that's going to work at Augusta. He's going to have to wear a chef's hat. Yeah, I know. Uh, it might be a different look for uh, for uh, the old the old uh, Augusta National, but no, I'm not on Patrick Reed. Uh, there's just uh, there's a lot of guys in the 7K range I like a lot better. And let's get into the 7K range. And the guy who is my favorite play in the 7K range, he's gonna be crazy highly owned. I'm gonna use him anyway. Matt Kuchar, 7900. I mean, this just seems like a tragically low price for the guy who was great in the match play tournament, seventh at Valero the week before, now 26 at the players. I mean, he had a lot of success earlier in the year. Cooch is playing really good. I mean, the only thing that might hurt his popularity is the the, the fight he got in with Sergio, and then the horrible um, those two in a golf cart on Monday making peace video where they really didn't make did you see this they didn't even make peace i was like yeah he didn't know what to do uh you know sergio's like it was horrible so i don't know but he, regardless of how that will affect his ownership kuchar's gotta be like seven nine hundred that's crazy right yeah no he might actually gain ownership because of the fact he uh fought with sergio sergio's not exactly uh correct especially here in the states right Mr. popular so uh, no, there's really no reason to play to fade Kuchar straight up. I mean, when I look at 24 rounds, third in approach, fifth tee to green, fifth in bogey avoidance. He's playing so well, playing the best golf of his life. He went to Georgia Tech, so there's a Georgia narrative. He's played well here in the past. Um, if he's ever going to win a major, this feels like this is the major he's going to win. What does he have? Four top, um, top eight finishes the past seven years. Doesn't have yep. a missed cut like Adam Scott. Everything like that makes sense. The only thing I could take a stand on is if this course is going to play really wet, he does rank, uh, where is he at? 57th in driving distance. So, but he's just so good with his irons. He's going to be mega popular. Like, I'm either going to play him in one or two lineups of seven, or I'm playing him in five. Like, I'm not, I don't think I'm matching the feel here. I'm either going overweight or underweight on him. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I'm like I told you. I think I told you this before we got started. Uh, I've set six lineups, and Kuchar's in five of them. I wasn't really tracking who was in what. I set them uh, after drinking beers all night, and just said I'm going to roll with them. And I actually like these lineups. We'll see how they pan out. But I mean, just setting six quick ones. I got Kuchar in five of them, so I'm, I have to be overweight. Okay, five can I play a quick game with you? Just, let's just take away the course. Let's just take you know. Let's include form. If you want to include course, that's fine. Stats. Would, okay, tell me who you would play over Kuchar right now. Patrick Reed? Absolutely not. Louis? No. Fino? Nope. Mickelson? Nope. Scott? Nope. Xander? Nope. Molinari? Maybe. They should be the same price. Hideki? Nope. Bubba? Nope. Spieth? Nope. 
That's the whole 8K range. Yep, absolutely. He's a thousand mispriced, most likely. Yep. He should be in the Jason Day, Paul Casey range. He absolutely. should be around Molinari and Matsuyama. He should not be with Leishman and Louis and Reed and Fino and Phil. I'm sorry. I'm with you. I think he's way too big of a bargain. This might be where I make my stand say, you know what? I'm playing him. I will differentiate everywhere else because you don't need to differentiate all six spots. You just need to be different at one or two. Yeah. Wasn't that the conversation we had this weekend where it was like, well, we play these two and then you differentiate elsewhere. And then it was like, well, I had Rose Molinari. Uh, okay. So you play those four and then you differentiate with the other two. Right. Now, I do, I do like Bubba and, you know, Molinari and even Scott, maybe the same range as Kucher, but... 7900 this is typical Kucher major pricing, and it's just way too cheap. Yep, I agree with you. Um, so let's go down the list here. I have no interest in Leishman or Cantlay. They're the next two guys at 7800 and 7700 apiece. Uh, any interest in those guys? Leishman maybe in the wind. There's that whole Aussie narrative as far as playing the wind. Patrick Cantlay is going to get a Pat Mayo bump this week. He is being talked about there, so... Maybe, but again, I'm maybe just a little bitter because I got burned by Cantlay, the players. So I'm not ready to go there yet. I think the question, and uh, you know, I, I I hope Augusta has a sense of humor and puts Kucher and Sergio in the same group because Sergio here at 7,700 also feels very mispriced. Yeah, Sergio at 77. Um, I'm certainly all in with him at 7,700 as well. I mean, you start a lineup with Sergio and Kucher, then your average uh, price per player goes up. And you get a guy who's won it recently and a guy who looks like a really good one. Right, and, and you know, maybe he draws a little lower ownership because of his out, you know, him and Kucher's little tiff or whatever you want to call it. And, or people can remember when he, when he hit like four or five balls in the water on 15 a year ago. I think he was hurt kind of going into that. Like, even the rest of the year, he just wasn't really good. He's been playing some really good golf. He's got a lot of top tens worldwide in the past, you know, in, in 2019 calendar year. He can play in the wind as well. Uh, when I look at stat-wise for Sergio, fifth in approach, sixth in bogey avoidance, 18th tee to green, his distance is okay. He's another one that makes a lot of sense at 7,700. While Kuchner is probably my favorite, maybe I will go Sergio just so we're different somewhere along the way. I might <laughs> even change my favorite 8K play to Adam Scott just so we're different along the way too. But, yeah, there's I, I find it hard to try to fade uh, Sergio at this price. The next guy's Hendrick Stenson, and I don't know if I like him at 7,600 or not. I think I do. Didn't make the cut at the players, but has shown some good recent form at both Valspar, the API, uh, even was okay at the uh, Mexico WGC a, a little over a month ago. And he was okay. He got taken out by Beergard in the uh, round of 16 at the match play tournament, but made it out of his pod. Um, I mean, I think Stenson, this is a guy who's won a major, so he knows how to stand tall in that, in that pressure spot. 7,600, I like him. And what I really like, I think, about him is I look at his, his fantasy points, you know, his drafting points average, and his, uh, you know, four of eight made cuts. When you look at his stats, just as a, if a casual player is looking at him, they are passing him so quickly that I, I figure his ownership probably gets uh, pretty low. I don't have Stenson in the lineup yet, but I am considering it. I am, the more I look at Stenson, the more and more I like him. When I look at his past three tournaments, he gained 6.7 strokes in approach at API. He gained two and a half of the players where he missed a cut. He just couldn't make a putt that day. That's going to happen. He gained 7.3 at the Valspar, 
lost two strokes putting. That you don't need to be a great putter. He seems to be rounding it for him. One is group of match play, kind of uh, ran into the bus off beer guard. Yeah, guy um, who played, took out Tiger the, the next later that day, right? Right. So, Seventy six hundred for Stenson, world class player. He's another one. I th I think I like him a lot. Seventh in approach, sixteenth in bogey avoidance. Driving distance is the concern here, but that's also probably because he hits the three wood a lot. So I'm not as worried about him with driving distance as I would be some others. Um, Seventy six hundred. I think is a really good too. Yeah, yeah. Sneak. I think this is a sneaky course history play. Like he doesn't have anything terrific, but you see a fifth and you see a bunch of top twenty fives. Yeah. I think I think he might go a little bit overlooked, and I do like him at seventy six hundred. Now I'm gonna have some Stenson lineups coming in here soon. Ian Poulter at seventy six hundred. Um, you know, I, I talk about how I love to hate him, um, but I think that's good for for sports and having a good villain. You know, if I was in a Euro, I'd probably like him. Ian Poulter, not the best showing at the players, was decent. Uh, he, he he's the one player that beat Kevin Kisner at match play even though he didn't get out of the pod because Kisner got out of the pod. So I'll say he, he was, he was the only guy who could take down Kisner in a, in a tournament. He won. I'll give him a little credit for that. Poulter before that 23rd at the API third in Mexico. Um, I look at Poulter as a guy at 7,600 that I'm certainly going to consider here as well. He's on my radar, but again, I wonder if I like Kucher, I like Sergio and I like Stenson. I think I've got to cut somebody from this, from this mm -hmm. mid 7k range and i think poulter might be the guy he's still in consideration because you know there, you can play multiple 7k guys um 23rd tita green distance is going to be the worry here does he have enough distance on a longer course especially a wet one i don't know i as i said he might end up in one or two of my lineups but he's a, if i have to cut somebody from this range he's the guy i'm gonna cut because i just happen to like Kucher, Sergio, and Stenson better. Fair enough, fair enough. And his and his good turn, good course history is a little bit further away. He had a six four years ago, but in the last three years he's played twice and was forty fourth or worse. So you know his good course history a little bit in the rearview mirror. Right, but he, um, he does this. He does though in his defense does seem like a guy that if, if seven under is going to win this, he seems much more likely to win at seven under than seventeen under. And another grizzled vet who's not afraid of the moment, which is one of those things I'm looking for in this tournament. Right. Uh, Gary Woodland, 7,500. I think I'm still on Gary Woodland here. I don't like that he didn't make the cut at Valspar, but he was playing pretty darn good before that. Um, you know, he burned me a little bit that week. But, um, you know, Gary Woodland, a guy who I'm not going to say is, like, under the radar or anything because, look, he hasn't made the cut here the last three times he played here. But I look at Gary Woodland and the way he's playing as of late. I'm giving him. A, I'm giving him a look at 7,500. I don't like the fact that he's not doesn't have a gr a good course history here. He's missed quite a few cuts, which is because mm -hmm. uh, I mean ninth tee to green, twelfth in distance, seventh in DraftKings points. He makes a lot of sense, but that course. I mean, this is bad course history, and that's it's glaring. That's, that's my concern with him, and I don't know what to do with Woodland here yet. Again, this might be a situation where I just happen to like some of the guys slightly above him. I might even like, you know, another guy at 7,500, RCB, a little bit more than Woodland. But I don't know what to do with Woodland here yet. He'll be in consideration. I just don't see myself ending up on him come Wednesday night. Well, let's talk about Rafa, the next guy on the list, Rafael Cabrera-Bello. And he is also 7,500. 
Um, he's a guy I'm also considering here. I think he's worth a look. His course history, well, it's certainly not as long as some others. He's played three times here. A 17th his first time out. Missed the cut two years ago, 38th last year. I don't look at Rafa and think he's a guy who's going to win it, but I do look at him and think he's a guy who could finish top 25. And at 7,500, if I get a top 25 and, you know, splash with some of my other guys, I mean, that could be a part of a winning lineup. I don't think – no, I don't think – to win the Millie and probably to win some of these other ones, I think you're going to have to have six guys in the top 15. So – Well, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking win, but, you know, I'm talking if you finish in the top 10% of the entries and, you know, if you turn four bucks into ten, like, I don't know, for me, that's um, that makes me happy. Yeah, I, I do worry a little bit about his upside, so maybe he's a better cash game play. Um, my problem is he's, he's losing strokes around the green. He's been pretty good approach, pretty good off the tee. But around the green, he's losing two to three strokes around. And Augusta, you've got to be able to scramble a little bit because uh, I think there's some, you know, I was listening to an interview with Kevin Kistner, Kevin Kistner earlier. He was with the, uh, on the Tour Junkies podcast. And Kistner said at some point, there, there are some holes where it's better to miss long and off the green than it is to miss on the green. So if Cabrera Bale's short game is a little bit struggling, you know, maybe, that, maybe, that's, maybe I've just talked myself out of him. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I get it. I think he'll be lower owned, which always intrigues me. And I know he can score in bunches and he's probably an okay win player, but yeah, I guess maybe I, maybe I have just sitting sit here looking this deeper and talking more about it. I've talked myself out of him. Well, I can understand because if you go to 7,400, you get a guy from Australia, supposed to be a good win player, Cameron Smith. I gotta believe he's going to be low owned based on, you know, just name value recognition. This guy doesn't have a long course history. 55th three years ago, didn't play two years ago, fifth last year. Cam Smith seems like a guy you could sneak into a lineup and differentiate yourself with. He's not in great form. Outside of the six at Mexico, I mean, I know he played well at Phoenix and Farmers, but 56 of the players, missed cut the Honda. He's losing strokes mm-hmm. off the tee quite a bit here. His approach hasn't been anything great. Uh, really, in Mexico, the only reason he was there is he gained six and a half strokes putting and four and a half around the green. He is a hard pass for me. I will not be taking a look, another look at him. Webb Simpson, though, I don't know what to do with Webb here. Like, 7400 is probably a fair price. Ninth in scrambling, 11th in bogey avoidance, 20th tee to green. He just hasn't been playing as well as I think he did a year ago. Missed the cut of the Valspar. Was okay at the players, but, again, it's just always something with him. Um, his approach has been okay. One week he's losing five strokes in approach, and next it's three off the tee. I think the price is very fair, and I might end up going to him just because of name recognition, but I don't think he's somebody you have to force into your lineups. Yeah, I, I looked at Webb, and I just saw 20th last year, and that's awesome, but not a great course history. and um, So he's he's one that – he's a kind of – he's a guy I feel like, you know, he's, he's probably won his last major, and I could be very wrong about that. He hasn't won a major. I mean, he won the players. but Oh, no, he did win a U.S. Open. I'm sorry. He won the U.S. Open. Uh, San Francisco. The Olympic Club in San Fran, right? Yeah. Because he, he kind of came out of nowhere on my radar when he won that one. Yeah. Wasn't that like the year after Lucas Glover won at Bethpage? And that was another one that kind of came out of nowhere. Jeez, uh, now you're getting me back to back. I'm not sure. I just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't tell you, I can't give you the chronology on that one. Um, my problem here for the rest of the range is I'm not sure there's anybody I really love once we get to 7,300. Yeah, there's there's only, I I like no one at 7,300. I like no one at 7,200. 
I don't really like anyone in the rest of the seven Ks, to be quite honest with you. I have a lineup that I built the other day that I put Billy Horschel in, um, but I don't. I honestly don't know that I can recommend him to anyone. I think Snedeker is going to get a little bit of chatter. He, I think he's got a decent history here. Um, Hal Tong Lee certainly has the upside. You can take a flyer on him. Hatton will probably get a little bit of attention, but I like his form. I don't like first-timers here. Otherwise, Matt Wallace would definitely be on my radar because he played really well in Florida. Uh, first in scrambling over the past 24 rounds, 27th tee to green, 23rd distance. He's fine there. You know, maybe the guy I play down here, if I go down here, is Chucky Three Sticks, Charles Hall III at 7K. He is an Augusta native. He's second in scrambling, ninth in bogey avoidance, ninth in DraftKings points. He, it's been a while since he's played here. You have to go back to 2012. That's what scares. Yeah, that's what scares me with him. It would with me. Like it, it would with for some other players. The fact that he's from Augusta, though, he's probably seen this course enough, and this has it's been a goal of his to get back here. Like he's he's he probably knows this course pretty well. Seven K is a really good value on him, and he's probably as far as the low seven K goes, probably my favorites from the seven thousand to seventy three hundred dollar range. Would you dare Keegan Bradley? I mean, he's only missed one cut in like a while, in a few months. Of course, that was when he blew up for uh, plus four in the last three holes uh, when I had a lineup soaring to the top, and then he crushed my hopes. I get – I mean, he's probably a perfect Millie maker type of play, mm-hmm. but I don't see myself going to Keegan. I'm not either, by the way. I'm still burned from Valspar. But I get – I mean – I. Again, He's a major if, champion at 7K who's making cuts left and right minus one tournament. He makes sense. I'm just – I'm jaded. Yeah, I'll, I don't blame you. I'm, I said I'm probably passing on him. Fair enough. Let's take it in. Are we uh, good to go to the 6K range? Yes. In fact, let's just I, – I know he's probably not the first guy in the 6K range. Let's just get this out of the way. Charlie Hoffman, go. All day. All day, Charlie Hoffman, baby. Let's, I mean, let's be really serious. Charlie Hoffman finished second at the Valero Texas Open, finished 18th at the Valspar Championship. Uh, Charlie Hoffman, does he have a good course history here? Well, let me help you out with that. Uh, let's go the last four years. 12th, 22nd, 29th, 9th. Now, you're telling me a guy who's finished top 20 two weeks in a row has an amazing course history. Let's say he finished, and by the way, the first time he played it, way back in the day, 2011, 27th as well. Charlie Hoffman, you tell me you can get a top 30 from a guy that's 6,800? Put it in your lineup and get the rest of the lineup built around it. Get yourself some extra bucks to get up there and get Justin Rose or Roy McIlroy. Yes, 6,800, Charlie Hoffman, shocker. My favorite play in this range. Hmm, I, I never would have guessed. I mean, that's You just, wouldn't have, right? I know, I mean, that's just stunning. I, I thought your favorite play was going to be Sandy Lyle. Um. Okay, so... His ownership jumped for this tournament based on what he did over the weekend. Sure. At Valero, he gained 6.2 strokes on approach, uh, 1.6 at Valspar. Like, he was coming on. This past two tournaments, though, he's gained 4.3 strokes and 5 strokes putting. He's not a bad putter, but that those are, tend to be a little bit alarming numbers for me. He's got so are you really telling me that the, uh, the missed putts are on, what was it, 17 and 18? which ended up wouldn't have mattered. I think Connors beat him by three, but he missed two putts that were inside six feet down at the end that was a little troublesome for me. 
Yeah, he, yeah, he it didn't affect his uh, strokes game putting. He must have been fine everywhere else. But um, I will probably use him because, well, number one, you're using him. You know, that's kind of the way you have to go with things. <laughs> Good course history. Probably going to be a very popular first-round leader bet because I think he's done that two of the three past three years or at least one time in there. <laughs> I forget. So no, I know he has at least once. Yeah, sixty-eight hundred makes a lot of sense on him. Um, I will probably play him, but you know we'll see. And again, there's not a ton else I like in the six K range. So probably by default, he ends up as my favorite play. But I do have some ownership concerns on him. What about your boy Zach Johnson at sixty-nine hundred? <sighs> yeah. He's just not in great form right now. Twelfth in approach, twenty-fourth tee to green. Over the past 24 rounds, 24th Valspar has been his best. Uh, he's had a couple bad rounds of putting, though, so, I mean, I guess that's forgivable. And if the wins are going to kick up, we've I mean, he's won the British Open before. He plays well. I mean, he, he dominates at John Deere, so he's used to the sloping fairways, things like that. With the bad weather, I think he's back into consideration for me. Um, I wouldn't feel real comfortable with it. Like, he's probably a, maybe a one or two lineup guy for me, but... I don't know what to do with him. I might let weather kind of decide a little bit on him. What about Martin Keimer, former major champion? Um, I believe Martin Keimer, is, is, he's won the Masters as well, right? No, he has not. I think the only one he won was the PGA. Okay. Um, he, won a, he won a players, I believe, too. Or maybe I'm making that up. Okay, I thought he had two majors, uh, but I'll, I'll check that. But any interest in Martin Keimer here? No. For recent form, even if we go back to the Masters last year, his best finish in the past calendar year was the 33rd API. That's just not going to be enough this week in a limited field to win any tournaments. I've got to see better form. Even, in the stat, even when I look at the stats per tournament, nothing's really jumping out, good or bad. Basically, everything's like around two strokes, positive or negative. I'm passing on Keimer. Fair enough, fair enough. What about, you talked about distance. Well, Danny Willett also uh, is a past champ. Form not there. Are you, you're avoiding Willett, right? Um, I mean, he did, last time the wins kicked up, he did win here. So he's a very good win player. Um, his approach has been fine. He just has a struggle with the putter a little bit. He might be one again. If I, if I for whatever reason, find myself needing to play multiple guys in the seven or the low, in the high 6K range, he might be it. Um, again, he's a guy that's probably going to win a minus five tournament, but not win a minus 20 tournament. So he does make a little bit of sense. He'll be on my radar. I don't know if I end up using him, but he's on my radar. And it was the PGA and the U.S. Open that Martin Carver's won. I knew he won too, or I felt fairly confident he'd won too. But I thought the Masters was one of them. So What U.S. Open did he win? He won in 2014. I'm I'm Google Ma I'm 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 Wikipedia googling this so um that's what you get that's that the answer you get. Uh, yeah, it was Pinehurst. Yes, it was. Oh, that's right. Yes, he was, was pretty dominant that year too. Okay, I guess I forgot so, about that one. Um, if you talked about distance being a factor, JB Holmes is not a guy I was necessarily thinking about, but it's 6,800. I mean, the guy can't bomb it. Do you consider him at all? Uh, well, has not not played well right lately. No, but he's not a bad win player. He did win Riviera, which some people, you know, but he's not lefty, so there goes that narrative. Um, yeah, he didn't. Play. I mean, he he made the cup, and then was the secondary cut victim at at Valero last week. Mm -hmm. Lost five strokes putting, so that might be a part of the reason why. 
I don't Finished see myself here three years ago. Yeah, I don't see myself going on JB. Um, I get it, probably especially distance plays a factor, but I I don't trust the guy enough to really want to throw him into a lineup. I feel I like there's some, some good names here in six six K range, and I'm not necessarily arguing that uh, the ones I've thrown out there are not really guys you want to play. But Kiradesh, Afi Banrat, is this a guy that you're interested in? He's been very up and down as of late, um, but you know. He's one of those guys when he turns it on, he can really get it done. And uh, he finished what, 15th here three years ago? Okay, yeah, and you know, he's all he's all over the place. He's been losing a lot of strokes on approach. But was third at Mexico, fourth last year at the HSBC, uh fifteenth at the US Open a year ago. So he's got some upside here. He might have the best sorry. He might have the best upside of anybody here in the 6K range. Um, maybe him or Siwoo Kim as far as upside. Mm-hmm. But just a wild variance of uh, finishing position. So, again, he's he's another one I'll consider if I need somebody in this range. I, I really hope I'm not dipping into here very often. But, yeah, I don't know how many people will play Kyrdesh. And, I, you know, he, he is a world-class player. So, he's he's considering for me... Uh, doesn't really pop any stat-wise, unfortunately, so that might be a strike against him. We saw Kisner uh, do it at the match play tournament. He's had uh, 43rd, 37th, 28th his last three years, not in order, uh, but finishes here at the Masters. And a guy who clearly showed good form and some tenacity a couple of weeks ago at the match play tournament, Kevin Kisner at 6,700. Dare you go there. I think I'm going to fade. I, as I, said, I listened to the podcast with him on the Tour Junkies earlier, and just the way he was commenting, like, he's comfortable with the course because he's from Augusta, he's played here enough, but I don't think this is a good course fit. He's not a huge bomber of the golf ball. He's 72nd in driving distance, which isn't going to fare well for him. This just doesn't feel like a great fit, and I expect him to be probably the most popular guy in this range. So when I combine bad course fits with uh, with um, high ownership, even though he's made three straight cuts here and he's coming off the win at the match play events, that was a much shorter course than this one is. I, I'm not sure I want to go here with him. I just want you to know that Charlie, Charlie Hoffman is in the same range. I don't know how anyone could be more popular than him. But I will digress. We spent plenty of time on Charlie. Siwoo Kim at 6,700. I think this is like a pretty good play too, right? Like I look at Siwoo Kim and – uh, I've been using him a fair amount. Finished 24th here last year, and at 6,700, I don't know. I think Siwoo Kim, a guy I'm very interested in playing. Tournaments, absolutely. Again, he's got a huge amount of upside. He's also got capabilities of losing to Ian Woosnam, who hasn't made a cut here in years. So, um, yeah, played really well last week. Kind of gagged a little bit on Sunday. Just didn't make any putts, I felt like. Did mm-hmm. gain five strokes of approach. So his approach has been very good. But with Siwoo Kim, it really doesn't matter with his formers because he got absolutely hammered at the match play. I think everybody in his group just absolutely destroyed him, and he comes back for this. Seventh so. in scrambling, 21st tee to green, 19th in bogey avoidance, which is weird to see Siwoo Kim in 19th in bogey avoidance because I would have thought that would be a lot higher. So, no, he makes a lot of sense at 6,700 just from an upside perspective. Heck, here's your lineup. Play play, um, play Keegan, play Siwoo, play um, Kepka. A day. I'm trying to think of all the high upside guys. Uh, uh, well, when you started with Siwoo and Keegan, I was thinking, all right, this is a lineup that could finish 
um, 45,000th or first. <laughs> yes, in the Million Maker, I think there's 235,000 entries. It's either going to finish top 10 or 234,000. But that's, uh, yeah, so. Um, I, I'd, I'd roll, roll the, the dice, dice on that for 20 bucks. I'm probably not going to see Wu. I'm not, I'm not that uh, gutsy enough to do that. Um, I really don't have anybody that I think is worthy playing any interest in Corey Connors. I, I, I think back to my like Catholic school upbringing where I learned that the last shall be first. He's the last in any chance he shall be first. I'd say almost none, but no way you're playing him, right? No, I mean, it's a, it's a great story. I was rooting for him. I mean, once, once it was kind of put away, I was rooting for him. The only reason I wasn't because I knew there were other people behind me who had Connors as far as uh, the weekend goes. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not going there with uh, Corey Connors. He has no um, no history here. I mean, this is going to be a whirlwind of a week coming from a Monday qualifier to your first win to going to Augusta. It's just something I just don't really want to take any part of. So... I hope he does well, but I think this is a miscut just waiting to happen. Just a lot of stuff happening in a quick period of time. There's a lot of old champions that are at the bottom of this list on the DraftKings board. None that I'm really considering, but one that I can't help but at least take a peek at. Freddie Boom Boom Couples. I mean, say what you want about, you know, how long ago it was that he won, 1992. He finished 38th here last year. He finished 18th the year before. Now, he didn't play the year prior to that, missed the cut prior to that, but 20th, 13th, 12th, 15th, 6th. This is dating back to 2010. In 2010, it had been 18 years since he won that major. Um, I don't know if Freddie Couples, like, he's going to make the cut probably, right? Uh, he's probably a good chance for it, but again, I th I'm going to keep going back to this, and maybe I'm taking more of a Millie Maker approach, but he's just not going to be a top 10 top 15 golfer yeah, and if I i'm trying to if i'm trying to win that's where i kind of have to look at the same thing i think could be said about burnout longer who continues to play well here continues amazingly to, well continues to dominate on the champions tour just maybe as a last cash game play he's fine or small tournaments but i just can't really play any of these guys down here because i just don't think they carry that top 10 top 15 upside that i think you're going to need especially when you're going to need you know you don't mind playing somebody who's 20th but if they make a lot of birdies and they're basically DraftKings top 12 you don't mind that mm -hmm. no that, that makes, makes sense. sense uh so that's all the players that i've taken i'm taking a peek at we went through a pretty good portion of the field particularly considering it's a smaller field uh any final thoughts on uh, masters weekend other than uh sunday should be a really fun day, and Skeeter, I know it's not, um, it's probably not feasible with your schedule for you to watch seven seasons of Game of Thrones, but for those that like it, and I am one of them, after watching the Masters, to sit back and watch the season, uh, the, the final season, season premiere, I am super looking forward to Sunday, man. Yeah, no, I mean, for those who are into the Game of Thrones, yeah, I mean, basically, I think Sirius XM is basically, uh, Mass, it's a game. I forget what their uh, quote. Their uh, golf or thrones is the question. They're yeah, asking. that's what yeah. it is. And I was like, well, this is easy for me. It's golf, but um, yeah, no. I mean, Master Sunday should be fun, especially if the winds pick up. And this is just an absolute. Uh, I mean, I like watching good golf. So I'm not always the biggest U.S. Open fan because I'd like to see good shots rewarded. But 
man if the wind picks up there'll be some it'll, it'll, there'll be a lot of drama so it's just you know i i just hope that i have a lineup or two that's you know <laughs> i mean obviously contending would be lovely but you know kind of on the outskirts of contending with maybe if everything goes right goes well but if I'm, you know, whoever the poor unfortunate soul is that's leading the Millie Maker on Saturday night is in for a long night because, man, if those winds pick up, it could be a rough fall from first for that guy. Or yeah, yeah, I, I, I've never been that far up in those, but I have certainly witnessed that fall of grace from grace myself, and it's painful, but that's what makes what happened to you all the more exciting last weekend. So uh, congrats again, man. I was – very pumped for you. You know what? Um, I, by the way, I'm, I'm just... also very pumped to have passed you in our league. <laughs> Which, by the way, oh, that... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I you were probably about to say something nice, and I'm over here being a jerk. No, 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 no. You deserve. I mean, now I remember exactly. Remember how at the beginning of the show I couldn't remember what yes. I was going to say. Okay, the last time that you were because you said something you were jealous of me or whatever. The last time you said that was after I hit Molinari API and I jumped huge. I think what did, I, did I coke rack that week too, or I forget who I had with him, but I jumped huge into one and done. Like man, I wish I could catch you, or you know, I wish I was in your spot. And now yeah. you caught me. So maybe after my week this past week, maybe it's time for you to uh, go on a little bit of a heater here, and maybe it's time for you to hit the big cash. I would be beyond excited to get that done. Um, and you know, in our league, by the way, I, I did pass you, but we are fourth and fifth with. Uh, a group of 63 people mm-hmm. so we're both doing really well and i am just bare i barely passed you with uh of course if you if you haven't already figured this out i had charlie hoffman as one of my two golfers this weekend uh so he helped me skyrocket but no it's actually awesome dude i'm very happy for you from last uh from last weekend and i'm actually very happy that right now i think we're both in the cash line in this league and uh, still plenty of golf to play, but we didn't really cover that. It, it, this is Masters Week, big payouts um, to the golfers themselves. And so if you're in these one-and-done leagues, you're you're firing your shots this week, right? You're not holding anybody back. You're playing the big guns, right? Um, Right, as long as you think they're going to win. So for me, I'm playing Rose, yeah. and I'm playing Kuchar. I can certainly get behind both of those picks. I mean, as you know, as we went through the list, they're my top guys, and – uh, their particular their particular uh, tiers of pricing. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you've got if you you know, I don't know that there's any reason to not use a Rose, a Johnson, a McElroy uh, this week if you're not, you know, if you haven't already used them. So I don't know. That's the way I'm looking at it. We're in a we're in a use two and then lose them. And I mean, I'm contemplating using two top ten golfers in the world this week. Yeah, it's not a bad strategy. The only thing I would say is if you're in a one and done and you're behind you've got to make up some ground this is maybe where you take a flyer on a louis if you like him or a stenson or even like a shoffley try to find a guy that nobody's really going to pick for one and done hideki's not going to be that guy even though i guess maybe everybody used him at phoenix so maybe he would be but this is where you kind of take your shot on somebody and hope that you know you know you get another patrick reed scenario or danny willett where some guy that nobody's thinking of wins, and then you can you can get yourself right back in, into contention. Yeah, I mean, and that's certainly how it happened for me with uh, Ricky or Ricky Fowler with Rory McIlroy. I don't know how again we talked about it before, but I don't know how I was the only guy that used him at the players, but I was, 
And I mean, I skyrocketed into the standing. So uh, I got lucky with a guy who made sense to use that week that no one did. But you make a lot of sense. Yeah, if you're if you're at the bottom part of the standings, maybe uh, this is a week you go contrarian and, you know, you hope you get that Mike Weir win. Right. So well, I want to say play Mike Weir. He's, uh, I think. Not not this year, but I mean, the year he won it, he really was kind of like, who the I heck thought, is this? I know. I thought he was a decent player going into that. He was, but he was certainly not. Tiger, Bubba, Phil, um, what other left-handers in Tiger can I name? Uh, Brian Harmon. Well, Langley, but he's not in the field. <laughs> no, and Harmon isn't in this field either. But, yeah, so I guess that pretty much covers it. Um, anything else for Masters Week? Anything you just want to get out there because this might be the best week in the golf outside of uh, Ryder Cup every other yeah, year? Yeah, so – um, this is obviously I'm gonna post this on my fancy fix once we once we get it published and all that. But Wednesday night I plan on doing the Wednesday update just like I always do, looking at ownership, looking at weather. That might come out a little later than uh, usual. Um, I think I have a couple things going on on Wednesday night, so if you're looking for that, my I'm going to try to get it posted by 10 o'clock Eastern. It might be end up be closer to 11 o'clock Eastern. So just kind of heads up, I do have a couple things going on i don't know when i'll be able to get to that friday night too i will kind of give some thoughts as far as weekend play if you're playing the weekend contests um unfortunately we don't get shots we don't get the uh, shot tracker data here at augusta but i'll try to look at like um greens and regulations number of putts and try to find you know I'm, i'll be looking for guys that are hitting a lot of greens that's just not making many putts because putting tends to be the high high most variance of all the stats that's kind of what my recent success has been was choosing those guys who are pretty good tee to green, but missing putts. And then also choosing the names that, you know, just made the cut, but you know that they're going to probably find a way to backdoor a top 10, like Kuchar usually does. So those are tough to plays I'm going to be looking at Friday night. Sounds good, my man. Well, good luck this week. Uh, good luck to everybody listening. Enjoy the masters. It is certainly uh, the best weekend of golf. I think uh, outside of the Ryder cup you get every year. So, Enjoy it. Appreciate you listening. And uh, hopefully we talk about some more winnings next week. I'm James Adams along with Skeeter Robinson. This has been the My Fantasy Fix DFS uh, DraftKings Golf Podcast.